Welcome back to another edition of the Perp Life Podcast. This is the 15th episode of Perp Take, where we do a weekly review of all the biggest news in sports. This is Jamie White with Tyler Zeman, Nate Breisinger, and Mitch Davis. And today we're going to be talking about the NHL playoffs, the NBA playoffs, and the Steelers draft picks. All right, first we're going to head over to the NHL playoffs with Nate Nathaniel Bryson. All right, so round two is underway, and therefore a clean slate for every team that is coming into this round. And the, one of the first series I want to talk about is between the Boston Bruins and the Columbus Blue Jackets. That's one of the more exciting series in the overall NHL playoffs right now, and especially in the East. Uh, Boston took game one against Columbus in overtime, 3-2. to two. Charlie Coyle, some late-game heroics, scoring the game-tying goal and the game-winning goal in overtime. And then the script was a little bit reversed in game two as Columbus went on to win 3-2 to two in double OT. Um, uh, Artemi Panera scoring two goals that game, along with Matt Duchesne finishing off the game in overtime. And then over to the other Eastern Conference series, uh, New York Islanders versus the Carolina Hurricanes. This New York New York Islanders versus Carolina Hurricanes series has been a very good series so far. A lot of people had New York coming into this line or coming into the series, but Carolina has shown that they can they have the momentum from round one against Washington, and to win that they're up two nothing as of now in the series. And standout players for the team has been Jordan Stahl, uh, who's been playing the best hockey of his career for Carolina. Yeah, the veteran uh, experience so far for Carolina has been huge. Stall scoring the lone OT goal in uh, game one for one nothing victory for them. And Justin Williams has been pretty good as well. So The, the younger guys have been ste- stepping up too. Warren Fogel was not a relatively known guy until this season. Five but goals he's been in the playoffs absolutely so far. fantastic throughout just this season in general. And it's uh, crazy to see Carolina doing this good when they have tons of notable in- in- uh, injuries, uh, specifically Michael Furlan, uh, Peter Mrazek, who played uh, – fantastic in round one um, as the starting goaltender. Curtis McElhenney is now um, in that for Carolina. Um, it, overall, it's crazy that Carolina is doing this good when they're an eight seed and they beat a one seed. Let's go on to the other side, though, with the New York Islanders, who are coming off a sweep of the Penguins, and right now they're o- they're four and two overall. Um, they didn't really face much adversity with Pittsburgh, but Carolina has really shown the spark. Every time they score, it seems like Carolina answers right back. Um, that's exactly what happened in Game Two. They scored one. They scored one goal late in the second period, but Carolina came back with within the first thirty seconds, I believe, of uh, the third period, scored two goals, and Carolina ended up winning the game two one. It's going to be a really exciting series, and I can't wait to watch the rest. All right. So, what do we think about the matchups in the West? So, over in the West, St. Louis Blues versus Dallas Stars. St. Louis leads that one 2-1. And that one's definitely an interesting series because the Stars coming into the playoffs were another one of those teams that not expected to really go on a run. They win their first-round matchup. Same with the St. Louis Blues, Blues. But then again, St. Louis was ranked worst in the NHL at the beginning of the calendar year. At the beginning of 2019, the St. Louis Blues were the worst team in the NHL, and right now they're one of the favorites to win the Cup. Yeah, and and they've just been on a hot streak right now, winning the last game 4-3 over uh, Dallas against more late-game heroics for them. Uh, and it seemed like though St. Louis was really playing well in uh, the, the offensive zone. They they wouldn't let Dallas break out very well. 
Uh, and for to be honest, Dallas' only line that's been scoring for them is Leo Komarov, Jamie Benn, and Tyler Sagan. That that uh that uh line has really been effective for them. And when they don't score, I mean, it's rough for Dallas. That line's actually Alexander Radulov, Jamie Benn, and Tyler Sagan. Sorry, but I just I'm gonna stop you. So what do we think about the Golden Knights and the Sharks? Because the Sharks sort of came from behind to really push themselves into the second round of the playoffs. Well, the Sharks actually beat the Golden Knights, and right now it's Colorado versus the Sharks. Um, both even matchups on those, both sides. Um, Colorado Colorado's, uh, beat the Flames in five games, and you know, they're playing really, really good. Mika Rantanen's my choice for Con Smythe right now. Um, I believe he had nine points in the five games um, of the first series, and he's been scoring some clutch goals and definitely being the best player on that team. Gonna, then again, the Sharks, I think they barely snuck in. I don't know how they got this far with uh, ter- some of the terrible hockey they've been playing. I like the Sharks. I like a lot of the players on their team, but they have been playing so awful. They deserve to lose that series against Saint, uh, against Vegas, but Vegas could not kill their power kill the power play. And that's what ended their season. The Sharks, I don't see them lasting very long. Colorado has been playing really good. And the Sharks just, they're playing way too inconsistent. Some games it'll look like Martin Jones is a brick wall, but everyone on the ice looks like might players. And sometimes the player, the Sharks look really good. And Martin Jones can't save a beach ball. Uh, it's been a really inconsistent playoffs for the Sharks, and I don't see them lasting much longer. Yeah, that's very well said. But it has been a fun series so far between Colorado and San Jose. That series is knotted up by one. Uh, San Jose, though, has been putting the puck in the net quite often this series. In two games, eight goals. Uh, Brent Burns had a pair of goals in game two. So, once again, that series is tied and got some great games and great matchups this coming week. All right, let's now transition over to the NBA playoffs with Jamin White. All right, so the NBA playoffs... Not extremely interesting after the first round, you know, no huge upsets. The only uh, game that went to seven, or the only series that went to seven, uh, was Denver and San Antonio, and they're like two non-marquee teams, like no one really cared that much. Um, The Blazers would take the Thunder 4-1, to the Clippers would try to hold on, but Golden State would take them 3-2, so not a whole lot of surprises. Um, So, as a comment... Conference semifinals started. Game one, the Raptors came in as huge favorites against the 76ers, especially at home. Uh, Up until that point, the 76ers had not won a game in Toronto in 13 games. That would continue when the Raptors would win 108-95. to would push it to 14 games that the 76ers had not won in Toronto. Um, The Celtics would beat the Bucks in the first game of their series, uh, 112-90. to and it sort of exposed Giannis's, uh like weaknesses, I guess, as a player and the team, uh, sort of depth wise. Uh, the Celtics taking it easily. Um, the Warriors and the Rockets, which was a excellent matchup last year in the conference finals. I'm gonna let Zeman take care of this real quick because it is certainly controversial. All right. So game one, the Rockets lost to the Warriors. Um, in California, one hundred four to one hundred, and another another uh, big controversial controversial game as uh, James Harden came out afterwards and said that the officiating again might have costed them the game, and it wasn't no it wasn't a surprise as the next day the NBA 
um, released a statement saying they're looking into the officiating problem um, from last year when the Rockets lost to the Warriors in the semifinals. They said about nearly 106 calls uh, were missed that could have swayed those games and allowed the Rockets to, uh, or gave the Rockets a better chance to get into the finals. Uh, so right now the Rockets are really playing as the underdog um, in this series. You know, they feel like last year they got t- they got it taken away from them. So, you know, they came out with a lot of passion in game one, but it just wasn't enough as the Warriors ended up beating them by four. And then scrolling down, um, at the beginning, Jamin was ripping on the Denver Nuggets. Well, in game one, they came out and beat the Trail Trailblazers 121 to 113. And what what's a big surprise? Uh, you know, the Trailblazers are coming off the, the big series win against the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, where it was uh, Damian Lillard and Russell Westbrook going at it uh, for those for that series. And they just the Trailblazers didn't show up, and the Nuggets came out on top. Yeah. Right, I wasn't exactly nice to the Nuggets. I don't know if I ripped on them. No one cares. They play in Denver. But Nikola Jokic has certainly shown the kind of player he can be in this league, the kind of center that he can be, dropping a triple-double against the Trailblazers in Game 1. Certainly a dominant performance. And last night in Game 2, the 76ers and the Raptors played again in Toronto. And as I said before, the 76ers had not won in Toronto in quite some time. They would snap that losing streak of 14 games, uh, winning over the Raptors 94-89. to 89. Jimmy Butler really emerged as sort of a leader on the team and an offensive threat that he was not when he came into the league. Um, Coach Brett Brown said he was sort of the adult on the floor and was able to sort of communicate with his teammates in that way. I think a big part of this series, whether the Sixers or the Raptors win, is if Joel Embiid can stay healthy. Um, it wasn't pretty game one. It wasn't exactly great, great uh, game two either, but I think that'll be the tipping point for the series. All right, lastly, we're going to talk about the hometown team, Pittsburgh Steelers, and their draft picks from uh, this past week. So in round one, the Steelers uh, made uh, big moves as they traded up to get uh, the star linebacker, linebacker Devin Bush out of Michigan. He's 5'11 and 233 pounds. And really had a uh, standout year last year for Michigan as a junior. He uh, he averaged four and a half sacks per game and averaged eight and a half sacks per loss. Uh, tackles for for a loss last year and helped Michigan kind of get back to their winning ways. They still weren't outstanding in the Big Ten, but it, they were able to uh, become a bigger threat. I think throughout. Yeah. And what Bush is going to do, he's going to fill that hole that uh, Ryan Shazier used to fill as that fast, prototypical linebacker that can drop into coverage and attack uh, the quarterback and running backs with the stretch plays. He's incredibly fast. I think the second fastest linebacker at the combine, and that's what really impressed the Steelers. And the Steelers aren't really known for making draft day trades, but the last time they did, they moved up in the draft. They drafted Troy Polamalu, who's a future Hall of Famer. So hopefully they can come up with the same luck with uh, this inside linebacker, Devin Bush, out of Michigan. Yeah, I think Devin Bush really also brings some grit to uh, add to that defense. I mean, if you've ever seen the video of him tearing on Michigan State's field you yeah, know, before right, the big Michigan-Michigan right. State rivalry, I think that will bring some grit to the Steelers' defense. He'll play alongside T.J. Watt, Bud Dupree, uh, Anthony uh, Ciccolo, Lawrence, the guy, the guy uh, they got from Vince St. Williams. And he's excited to be here, which is Boston very important. Blues. So, um, um, 
We both said, um, we'll move on. Uh, the second round, we would draft a wide receiver to essentially fill the spot that Antonio Brown filled. Uh, Deontay Johnson had Toledo. Um, Steelers had a first round grade on him, but uh, got him in the third round. So I don't know. He was underrated for sure. He's also a smaller receiver. Right. He's a pretty good parallel to Antonio Brown, uh, I guess with a better attitude, hopefully. Um, He's also regarded for his great route running, so that will be definitely important for Ben. Right. And as a rookie, the Steelers just tend to put the rookie receiver in. He's probably going to get some touches. He's probably going to get some targets. So he's not a terrible pick, but he is an extreme parallel to Antonio Brown. Uh, moving on, they had another pick in the third round. They would get uh, Justin Lane, a cornerback out of Michigan State. It was sort of assumed that Artie Burns would be able to fill the hole that the Steelers had for so long of a great cover corner. Uh, he was not that. He was benched halfway through the year. So hopefully uh, Lane can fill that spot. He's 6'2". He's got a lot of ball talent. So, I mean, we've struggled in the secondary for years, but it certainly should be an improvement. This pick I'm really excited for, uh, Benny Snell Jr., running back out of Kentucky. Um, this is very much a Steelers running back, big, gritty, hard runner, uh, pretty similar to James Conner. Uh, he really uh, put the team on his back in the bowl game this year, so I'm excited for him. I don't know how much he'll play as a rookie, but I think any running back can be a star behind this offensive line. Yeah, I like this pick as well for Benny Snell. I mean, he really is going to compliment James Conner and Jalen Samuels uh, pretty well. And I think he uh, shows a lot of passion when he plays. And so that's definitely uh, some key factors for uh, picking Benny Snow. And I saw on his social media, it is widely believed he will be wearing number 26, a.k.a. Le'Veon Bell's number. So I love the attitude already. Uh, in the offseason, we would send uh, Jesse James uh, away via free agency to Detroit. So we drafted a tight end out of Michigan to sort of back up uh, uh, Vince Williams. Pardon me, uh, Vance McDonald. Uh, and Xavier Grimble. Um, we draft another linebacker out of Northern Illinois, uh, Bud Dupree. He's sort of a make-or-break player this year, so we'll see how uh, Sutton Smith works on the outside. Uh, we'd get a defensive tackle out of Alabama in the sixth round. Not super excited about this pick, but any player out of Alabama is obviously one with high talent, so it'll be interesting how he pans out. We draft another inside linebacker from Akron, Ulysses Gilbert III. Um, you know, we're just trying to fill that spot. We don't have a super deep uh, team as far as inside linebackers go, so we'll see how that works out. And we get a offensive tackle from Maryland with the last pick uh, for the Steelers in the seventh round. Um, we've had uh, issues uh, with injuries as the line that is so great starts to age. So he'll probably be thrown in at some point in the year. I wouldn't be surprised uh, via injury to one of the starters. So it'll be interesting. I think this is a good class. We have a lot of rookies this year, but I think a lot of them can make an impact in some way or another. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Purple Light Podcast. This has been Purb Take, where we do a weekly review of all the biggest news in sports. This has been Jamin White, joined with Tyler Zeman, Nate Nathaniel Bryce Singer, and Mitch Davis now signing off.